Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info and odds. Find all the latest sports developments, uh, Major League Baseball season, you name it, NBA, NHL, all at Bet Online. It's your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on popular sports. And games. Bet online where the game starts. Spring has sprung, so make a splash with a new spa from myhottub.com. Choose from over 50 spas in stock, new inventory weekly, and prices slash to move fast. Don't let April's showers keep you from a new spa. Visit their huge showroom in Destiny, USA, and ask about their 48 month 0% financing option for credit qualified buyers. Treat yourself with a new spa from myhottub.com. Don't just take our word for it, see for yourself at Destiny USA. Hurry, these spas won't last. It's officially ice cream season in Central New York, and the locally owned and operated Carvel in North Syracuse welcomes you to come in and grab their bunny and egg-shaped cakes, along with a four-pack of hip-hop bunnies. Everything at Carvel of North Syracuse is made fresh, so no matter what kind of treat or design you want, they make it happen. Carvel is open seven days a week. Brewerton Road, North Syracuse, America's favorite since 1934, and open Easter Sunday. So go get your bunny and egg cakes, or those four-packs of hip-hop bunnies. Hey guys, this is Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter is back with you all over the major platforms. Go ahead and download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by Burn Dairy, Tiny Bubbles Laundromat, and Carvel of North Syracuse. Listen, man, spring is here, summer's coming. Oh, the sweet treats there, the cones with the soft serve, the saucers, the shakes, the sundaes, and ice cream cakes for any occasion. Make sure that you go visit my friends at Carvel of North Syracuse. Uh, it's just a great place to grab your sweet treat. You can bring your pup with you. They have pup cups. It's just a terrific place to be uh, at Carvel of North Syracuse. Also, a tip of the cap thank you as well to the to the good folks over at Camille's Golf Club, Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, and a brand new sponsor, My Hot Tub in Destiny, USA. Spring has sprung, and let's go. Get your hot tub right now. It is hot tub season Go directly to the manufacturer at myhottub.com. Now open in Destiny, USA, located in the canyon. You can visit the Health and Wellness Center, and you'll find the best selection and prices on affordable luxury spas, massage chairs, and saunas at myhottub.com. That's myhottub.com. All right, Aaron Judge. He rejects a deal from the New York Yankees. This was huge news, obviously, uh, all of last week, and I wanted to really dive into it um, here on the podcast after this, by the way, we're going to throw you a, a really great crossover episode with Joe Biscalia, the Buffalo Bills insider and beat man for the athletic uh, as far as uh, you know, the Bills offseason, the upcoming draft, the Stefan Diggs uh, extension, and, and a heck of a lot more to get into with Joe. Uh, and we'll have that crossover episode uh, coming up after, um, after this little, little piece on, on Judge. First of all, Aaron Judge is, when he's healthy, he's a star player. I don't know if I'd put him in the top three or five, but I'd probably put him in the top 10 to 15 in baseball. But he's been injured all the time. Now, I know last year he you know, had a really good season. He was super healthy. 
But the Yankees obviously crawled into the postseason with him being healthy and John Carlos Stanton being healthy. Um, Aaron Judge has also been, um, you know, look, for what it's worth, I mean, I know that, you know, everybody sees the judges' chambers and he's the face of the franchise and there's a little bit of Derek Jeter in him and da-da-da. Well, here's the thing. Aaron Judge, okay, Aaron Judge is 29 years old, okay? He's going to be turning 30 this April, okay? Aaron Judge has been in the league since 2016. Now, look, I do blame the Yankees for a little bit because if they really, really wanted him and 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 they probably should have signed him after that 2017 season, right, um, to a deal similar to what Ronald Acuna got with the Braves, right? Because these players, which is, again, this is one of the stupidest things about baseball, but these players are under team control for X amount of time. You fight, you go to arbitration, you do all this bull crap. And Aaron Judge was the Rookie of the Year in 2017. He should have won the MVP. Altuve won it that year, but he should have won it. Um, you know, Then he comes back in 2018. He misses a bunch of games. Uh, the injury stuff starts happening. Of course, he only played in 112. Then he only plays in 102. Then he plays in only 28 games in 2020. And you, you look at the shoulder, you look at the oblique, you look at this and that and the other thing, a couple lower body, nicks and knacks here. Aaron Judge has been an injured baseball player. Okay. Since 2016, he's been an injured baseball player. He has 158 home runs. He has 366 RBI. He also has 730 plus strikeouts. He's a 276 hitter. He's not worth $30 million a year. And yet the Yankees offered that to him. According to Jeff Passan of ESPN, no long-term deal for Aaron Judge said the Yankees offered a seven-year, $213.5 million extension, which, if you know because you've been following the story like me big time, paired with the $17 million they offered in arbitration for this year, that makes the entire package just over $230 million for eight years. That is nearly a $30 million salary. And then I saw John Heyman come out with some stuff, too, in terms of you know, incentive, bonuses, whatever. There's another $3 million attached at the back end, whatever. So it's about eight years for $230 to $233 million, okay? That is way, 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 way more than Aaron Judge is probably worth from right now, age 29, soon to be 30, until age 38 seasons. I mean, let's be honest right now. For a guy who's been super, super hurt, and I get it, I get it, He's one of our own. He's the face of the team, da-da-da. But, you know, the Yankees, really what they should try to do is they should try to trade John Carlos Stanton because he just, again, I know he's starting to come on. I know he had a great postseason last year. He was healthy all last year. But you know what? Show me that you can be healthy for 10 years. Show me you can be healthy for three years in a row. You know, Aaron Judge has only shown that he can be healthy for one season at a time. That's all he's shown. Now, when he's healthy, yeah, he's really good. He's pretty solid in October. He's a 5 tool player, believe it or not, despite his size, right? He is, but he's injured all the time, okay? He had a great season his first season in 2017. A lot of times that happens where you take the league by storm. People don't, you know, see in the minor leagues, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, but then again, comes back injured, 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 and then a, a, a full season in 2021 where he had 98 ribbies, 39 home runs. He had a 287 batting average, 916 OPS. He had a fine season. He had a fine season. He had 158 hits. You know, he still missed, what, 14 games. But he had a fine season. That's fine. If you can get 148 games on Aaron Judge at those numbers, you know, right around 35, 40 homers and 100 RBI and, you know, hitting around 280 to 290. And, and you know, uh, okay, I, I'll take that. But that's not still, to me, a $30 million player. 
There are very, very, very few guys, I think, who uh, really garner... Uh, now, look, nobody's worth... <laughs> Nobody's worth this, the kind of money that these athletes are making. But if you if you had to force me, um, you know who are the be- who are the, the the players who deserve somewhere near thirty million dollars or more, right? I'd probably give you a few guys, right? I'd give you Bryce Harper, who the Yankees should have signed. I'd rather have Bryce Harper in a heartbeat than Aaron Judge. Okay, I would probably give you um, Mike Trout when healthy, right? Because you always have to say that after it. I would give you Mookie Betts. I know he had a brutal season last year, but I would give you Mookie Betts in a heartbeat for sure. Um, I would probably also give you Juan Soto. And that's probably about it. I'm not even sure pitchers are worth $30 million or north of $30 million because they pitch every fifth day. For as good as Garrett Cole can be, for as great as Jacob deGrom has been, you know, I, I don't... <laughs> they pitch every fifth day. I mean, no disrespect. I mean, I, I think the only guy who you probably could say, okay, he's worth this money. Um, and, and now, you know, you don't know because of age and all that. But for, for years, Max Scherzer, you know, has been worth that money, you know, for sure. Um, you know, you think about the Bulldog mentality, the postseason, winning a World Series, all that. But those are probably the only players. Fernando Tatis is still very, very young in his career, plus he's injured, right? Fell off a motorcycle. He got a 14-year, $340 million deal. And ever since he signed it, he's been he's been injured, right? I don't even think he's worth the thirty million right now. He's got more to prove. Freddie Freeman, great player, he was an awesome Brave, won a World Series. He's building a Hall of Fame resume, but is he worth thirty million? Probably not. Kristen Yelich, no. Francisco Lindor, Nolan Arenado, Cody Bellinger, no. Bregman, no. You know, Rendon, no. Jose Ramirez, no. You know, he just got a new deal too, but you know, not thirty a clip. Manny Machado. I don't even think he's worth the money he's making right now. So there's just it, it, the, the list is short for guys I would pay in that in that range that Aaron Judge got offered, and Aaron Judge has also been injured all the time, and Aaron Judge is going to be 30 years old, and you have Aaron Judge already on the roster. His name's Giancarlo Stanton. They're the same player, right-handed sluggers. They get hurt a lot. They're the same player, and so this to me is a mistake by Judge. Because he's not going to be, uh, he's not going to get this money on the open market. Number one, number two, for as much crap that people can talk about the Yankees, let's start talking about crap about Aaron Judge. Didn't Aaron Judge just recently say that he wanted to be a Yankee for life? Well, here it is, buddy. Eight-year deal takes you into, into age thirty-eight at thirty million dollars a clip, and you turn it down. <laughs> to me. And I can't stand Brian Cashman. I can't stand Hal Steinbrenner. They're both, both sides are to blame here. Judge for the reasons I mentioned and management, because if they really wanted this guy long-term, they probably should have signed him back when they still had team control for, you know, a five or six year type of deal extension to maybe age 34, 35. That way he only has a few more years left. You can let him walk at that point, or you can do one-year deals, whatever the case may be. But that was back then. That was, you know, that was, that was a few years ago. That was back when he was... You know, I mean, after 2017, even after last year, maybe even a, a five, six year extension for big money. Um, OK, um, but 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 now at this particular point, like I'm on the Yankees side, I'm on Cashman side and Hell side. You just give him an eight year total package for two hundred thirty million dollars for a guy who has been hit and miss in terms of his health. By the way, what exactly 
you know, the Derek Jeter comparisons, right? What exactly are those comparisons again? Oh, he's a leader. He says the right thing. Okay, he's half the leader that Derek Jeter is. Maybe less than half. Talks with the media, but he doesn't really say anything that great. In fact, he's probably a worse quote than even Jeter, who was pretty vanilla, but kept it right there. I actually thought Jeter was a little bit better than people gave him credit for in the media. And what exactly has Aaron Judge won again? What has he won? He's a he's a he's a, a two thirty hitter in the postseason. <laughs> two thirty. Remember the AL wild card game against Cleveland, right? They won, but he didn't show up. Remember the Tampa Bay Rays game, right? Where the Yankees lost. He had three hits in the game, but you know again. Um, well, actually, no, I'm sorry. He, he actually played extreme. He had three hits. I was looking at a 143 batting average and I jumped a couple columns and read the wrong thing. He had three hits. He had three RBI, um, in, in the ALDS against Tampa, uh, total. Uh, so again, showed a little bit there, but the overall was he hit 143 in the series. That was a five game series, five game series. Okay. So those are the exact numbers. Those are the exact numbers. A five-game series against a division rival. And Aaron Judge can only give you three hits and three RBI. That's it. You know, he was great in a loss in the ALDS to Boston in 2018. He was ridiculous in 2018 total, actually, because in the wild card against Oakland, he was unbelievable. Uh, You know, two RBI hit the home run. Uh, 2017, he was absolutely dreadful, uh, against Cleveland and was, was okay against Houston, uh, in the next round in which the Yankees lost in seven games to the cheating Astros, seven RBI, three home runs in that, in that series, six hits. So he was pretty solid there. He only hit 250, but again, if you hit 250, but you put those numbers up, you're obviously producing a bunch, whether you love analytics or not, that, that, that's, you know, those are good numbers, um, really good numbers. So he, I mean, look, he doesn't really fear the October stage, but when you look at the totality of his postseason performances, I mean, he's up and down a lot. You know, he's far from Derek Jeter, um, and you know, he's a two thirty lifetime hitter in the postseason. When you mention all these things with Aaron Judge, you know, he's not worth thirty million dollars a year, and yet the Yankees still gave it to him, and then he said no to it. So if I'm the Yankees, I'm not countering this. I'm letting the season go all the way. I'm letting Aaron Judge go, hey, go try the open market, pal. You know, go try getting all those endorsements from other places. Try being more beloved than New York. Try having a freaking section named after you, the judge, judge, you know, the judge's chambers in right field. You know, try having more of your merchandise sold for another franchise. I don't give a crap if it's out if it's with the Dodgers. He still wouldn't have as much as he does now with the Yankees. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by Stanley Law Offices, Burn Dairy, Welch & Company Jewelers, and Elevate Fitness of Syracuse. Make sure you go get your membership today if you're in and around Central New York to Elevate Fitness of Syracuse. DeWitt and Liverpool locations, hot tub, pool, amenities, bikes, private workouts, uh, private classes, you name it, at Elevate Fitness of Syracuse. You can play tennis and table tennis upstairs as well. It's just a great place to be. Walking track, free weights. It's an awesome, awesome club. Elevate Fitness of Syracuse is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. As promised, a crossover episode from uh, Built in Buffalo, the Pandemonium podcast. I had an opportunity to talk to uh, Buffalo Bills beat man and insider Joe Biscalia from The Athletic. Here is that episode. 
It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. What's up, Bills Mafia? Can't wait to talk some Buffalo Bills football with you. You can hit me on Twitter at MikeLSports. I'm, of course, Mike Lindsley. This is the Pandemonium Podcast, all a part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Follow Built in Buffalo all over social media, including Twitter at Built in Buffalo underscore. Uh, really love to have you aboard. We're growing every day. We've got seven days a week of Bills content and uh, certainly a lot going on these days with Stefan Diggs getting that big-time extension uh, and and Brandon Bean figuring out more ways to <laughs> save money under the cap. We're going to get into that and so much more with uh, our good friend Joe Biscaglia, the Buffalo Bills beat man and insider for The Athletic. Joe, welcome. How are you, man? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, It's been a minute, but it's always fun chatting Bills with you. Yeah, well, I appreciate you, uh, you doing this, and, and you obviously do a hell of a job. Uh, covering the team. Let's start first with the Stefan Diggs deal. Uh, so many ways to go with this thing. Uh, a, how important was this for the Bills to get it done? And B, what's the most impressive part about how Brandon Bean arranged this thing in your mind? Yeah, uh, it was important um, to get it done right now. The timing of it specifically, because you know, the, the Bills have done a really nice job throughout the entire offseason, you know, this whole Jordan Poyer thing notwithstanding now. But they've done a really nice job to control what they can in terms of um, rewarding their players that they believe are a, a legitimate piece of their long-term puzzle, adding uh, really fascinating pieces to their defense like Von Miller and Tim Settle and Daquan Jones and, and bringing back Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips. Like it seems like that they've done all of these different things to kind of um, reshape or maybe even resuscitate this locker room a little bit to where it kind of takes back some of that uh, some of that charm that they had back in 2020 when they first burst onto the scene. What they wanted to do with Stefan Diggs, especially to get this done right now, is to take care of their guy for a couple of reasons. One, because off-season workouts begin on April 19th. And you don't want any sort of this this looming thing hovering over the franchise because everybody in that locker room knows that Stefan Diggs is one of the most important people there. And so you don't want that to be a topic of conversation within the locker room because that can create a little bit of disharmony. Now, the other part to this is because of how the wide receiver market is kind of coming along here. So they saw that Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, they all – they signed for huge money deals and, and, you know, rightfully so because those are two of the best receivers in the NFL. Stefan Diggs is also a top 10, maybe top seven receiver in the NFL, maybe even higher. Um, but they needed to sneak this in now because not only did those upper echelon guys like Hill and Adams get paid, but there were three other entrants into the 20 million per season wide receiver group. That being, Chris Godwin, who is a really nice player, probably not as good as Diggs at this point, and he's also coming off a torn ACL. Mike Williams is now a $20 million per year player with the Chargers. <laughs> wow. And DJ Moore of the Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. who's really good, has a lot of talent, but he just hasn't put up the stats, probably partially due to the quarterback play. But still, it's it was about time for Stefan Diggs who is getting paid less per year than Robbie Anderson to, to get his to get his due. So they took care of it. 
and they snuck it in right now before a slew of other deals might come down the line. That being DK Metcalf, the Seahawks, he's in the final year of his deal. Debo Samuel, the 49ers, he's in the final year of his deal. Terry McLaurin of the Commanders, same sort of deal. Cooper Cup has only two years to go on his contract, and he was basically, you know, almost the league MVP last year. And then you have Justin Jefferson, who's eligible for an extension next offseason. So the wide receiver money is just going to keep going up, so they need to get in the door real quick. Did the Bills get better up front? Offensively or defensively? If you had to pick a side, where did they improve? You know, pick picking one versus the other. Yeah, I, I, I think you have to go with the defensive side okay. of things, and I think that's where they uh, believe there was the most room to grow from last year because that offensive line that they had right at the end of last year was a pretty good unit. Um, Darrell Williams was their weakest link in my mind down the stretch of the season. Uh, Spencer Brown probably uh, was. It was one and two between those two guys, but they're not going to move on from Spencer Brown. He's he was only in his rookie year. Darrell Williams just kind of looked slow, out of place for the for the offensive line, so they moved him on and brought in Roger Saffold, who's more of a more of an athlete. And now, basically, their offensive line seems set at least where it is now. The defensive yeah. line, they did so much. Yeah. I mean, Von Miller is the headliner, and he's still a really stinking good player. And and as soon as he got to the L.A. Rams last year. It, he looked like, maybe not the Von Miller of old, but he looked as dynamic a pass rusher as you could find right now out there, and they did a really nice job in securing him. Might be might have overpaid, but they needed to to bring a guy like him in into camp. But then you've got other assets that you're adding, like uh, Daquan Jones, who I think is going to be a really nice one-technique uh, defensive tackle for them and run stuffer that can also kind of get up the field and, and penetrate the pocket. Um, Tim Settle is someone I think fans are going to absolutely love uh, just because of uh, how big he is, but also how impressive of a mover in, in getting into the backfield he is as well. I think he's going to uh, play a pretty substantial role. And then you add Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson to the mix, and then you're basically telling your three young guys, Epinesa, Basham, and Greg Rousseau, okay, figure it out this year because you've got some competition now, and if you're not going to bring it on a weekly basis – then they have no emphasis to put them into the lineup and give them legitimate snaps. So I think they really did a nice job on the defensive line, and I think that could be a big factor for them this season. What's your latest mock look like? Well, <laughs> the, the most recent one I did was uh, the ever non-popular running back idea at number 25. <laughs> um, it... Uh, it did not go over well, and but I knew that it would not, and that's not the reason that I did it. I, I actually believe that it has a chance of happening if they stand there at 25 because this is a team, and the way that they've attacked the offseason, a lot of their resources have gone to the defensive side of things. Now, they did add O.J. Howard. They did add Roger Saffold, and Jamison Crowder was a was a uh, basically a better minimum just a little bit above it, but not really too much else to really hammer home their fastball, which is their explosive offense that we saw down the stretch of last season. So the running back idea to me is kind of fascinating because I, I think there might be a little bit of a reverse effect going on in the NFL based on the way that defenses played offenses like the Bills, like the Chiefs, like the Chargers, heck, like the Bengals down the stretch. Um, they've been going with this too high safety look that – has really discouraged teams 
from trying to throw the ball deep down the field and you have to settle for all this underneath stuff quarterbacks get frustrated because the the things can't open up and and these offenses are getting are getting pushed off the field a lot quicker than they used to be so now i think the the counter to that and this kind of plays into the signing of oj howard is a lot more uh versatile offensive schemes and, and looks and going more too tight end which the bills did a lot down the stretch last year and and providing the threat to run to an opposing defense that's when the bills were at their best last year yeah. not not when they were just throw the ball throw the ball throw the ball throw the ball the threat to run was very evident into how they really pushed forward last year so to me i think the the running back point if you can find the right guy and Brees Hall is the one that I picked uh, out of Iowa State. If he has the three-down potential that you look into and that, that you think can develop well um, into a zone or move-based uh, running and blocking scheme, then it's it's worth it for to a certain degree. And then when you factor in that Devin Singletary is on the final year of his deal, there's nothing really behind him right now. And if you really want to get to crunch the numbers from a salary perspective – Running backs have the lowest fifth-year option total of any position in the league because the league has devalued it for so long. So you're not putting your franchise at risk of um, signing the the really unnecessary second contract with running backs because the league just chews them up and spits them out. So by locking that player in for five years, you don't have to – push you don't have to try and project this guy into the years 27 28 29 years old when when a lot of these running backs are falling off a cliff so that's why i think there's a little bit more to it than most do but uh, i don't think i would have said this this time last year by any means but i think the nfl is evolving it wasn't too long ago and i think maybe some people are still asking the question but not as much can patrick mahomes get better 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl win, been to multiple Super Bowls. Uh, can, can he get better? Is it possible? What about what about, what about about yeah, Josh right. Allen in comparison to that? That's where I'm going with this. It, it yeah. is, are we there with Josh Allen? That's my question. Uh, I think there's still some more room to grow, but he's he's pretty close okay. to, to that ceiling. Um, there's just some little moments of inaccuracy but his decision making has has just absolutely become so much better since when they first got their hands on him and that was one of the biggest points to kind of work work with him and develop him into what he is today um the the, it's really just putting the ball where you where the receiver would prefer it to be to so that way they can turn up the field and get yards after the catch he's really good at it he, he does have some times where that wanes on him a bit, and that would really be the only area that, that I'm seeing of, of where he, uh, he can grow a little bit more. I suppose he can, um, and he learned this later on in the year after that too high safety was so prevalent against them, uh, to be more patient and to really just take what's, what's coming at them as opposed to really trying to force it down the field. And if that's not there, then running around until you have to, mobilize mobilize yourself and, mm-hmm. and try to put yourself at, at liberty of, of taking a hit so those are two slight areas that i think he can get better he can get better um i don't know that he, he'll match his 2020 
season where they just came out like gangbusters. But I do think that uh, he can be a consistent um, a consistent player from maybe just a little bit below that echelon to where uh, to where he's being a little bit smarter with it, but still being just as effective as they start to develop that threat to run a little bit more against these defenses. Talking to Joe Buscalia from The Athletic, the terrific Bills beat reporter. Um, you can get him on Twitter at Joe Buscalia. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic as well. It's just a terrific platform. Uh, my favorite part about it, by the way, Joe, is, is well, there's two things. One, I, I get lost, and I mean that in a good way. I get lost on the app and, and the website because there's just so much content out there. You can dart all over the place, short form, long form. I love that about it, but man, no pop-up ads. Goodness gracious, it's worth every penny for that particular reason. Yeah, and you uh, get access to my colleague uh, Dane Brugler's uh, draft guide, which is phenomenal. Like seventeen hundred prospects. Yeah. Uh, they call it the beast for a reason. Like I, my editor had to had to chip in on the cornerback section, and he's like, "Yeah, I just edited thirty-two thousand words for the cornerbacks <laughs> alone." So imagine multiply yeah. that by all the other positions. Yeah, no doubt about it. The 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 slot position here, right? Like Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie, is that going to be straight up a platoon? Yeah, I, it kind of feels that way right now, and it would even more so if if they added a receiver at some point in the draft that could give them some reps at slot receiver. Um, but I think those two guys are, have contrasting skills, and I think that's a good thing. For, for what the Bills are trying to do. I also kind of believe that the Bills might be venturing towards uh, devaluing that slot receiver position just a tad, not like a crazy amount, but it a lot goes back to what I was touching on with the running back idea. Like the Bills signed OJ Howard and they're going to utilize him a lot more than uh, what they did last year with two tight end sets because they just didn't have a second yeah, guy. Yeah. So to me, the the obvious the obvious answer of who comes off the field when a second tight end comes on the field is the slot receiver. So Jamison Crowder will be out there to help move the chains. He's really savvy at working the zone and and he he can really kind of wiggle himself open and and that's that's going to be a, a nice little player to have and he hasn't really played with a a great quarterback before so I'm very fascinated to see what he does with Josh Allen and then Isaiah McKenzie still gives them that jet sweep speed um, uh, speed option I don't know that they really look at him as much more as like a wide receiver three and a half or three a or three b and the idea that he can grow kind of got shot in the foot a little bit by for how little he signed and it just kind of shows what what the bills and maybe the rest of the league thought of what he could get on the open market so yeah i think i think those two guys will platoon and um you know maybe they had a rookie in the second third fourth fifth round to to compete for that slot role but uh nothing too grandiose to where they're going to start pushing like guys like stefan diggs and and gabriel davis for time the new stadium, um, what's your reaction to how it came to fruition, you know, where the money's allocated, all the, kind of the whole thing here, Joe? Yeah, I mean, we always had a good idea on, on where it was going to go and what type of stadium it was going to be. My uh, coworker Tim Graham, has just done an incredible job throughout the entire process of breaking down what's truth, what's reality, whether people wanted to hear it or they didn't. 
um like i heard oh put it down in the, put it downtown put it uh make it a dome so they can host events like the super bowl and you know all the way through tim was like you know it's it's okay to like wish for these things but it's not it's not going to happen they want orchard park they, it's the most uh economically feasible thing you know they're, they're going to do an open air stadium um what's compelling to me is uh some of the stuff that that came out uh from the owners meetings is because i'm a big soccer guy and i i love the way that the um the miami dolphins stadium uh, since they're since they've done some reconstruction how that is kind of molded and they've got covering over all of the uh most of the seats i should say and i think the way that they they brought up uh the the stadium the stadium company that they're going to be working with populous is you know talking about Tottenham out in London, who just did a state-of-the-art football stadium out, out that way, and it has a lot of the same sort of characteristics, where it's you know more inclement weather than what Miami sees, so it's going to be a little bit different, but still covered seats and things like that. So I'm very compelled to see what the the first few mock-ups will look like, and uh, you know Orchard Park. It, it, I know people want it in the state uh, downtown, but I, I mean, it, it just kind of feels right to have it Orchard Park because, you know, going to work every day, it, it, it's, it's always been there. So I guess it's just kind of a, hey, keep things the same. So maybe that's a selfish take by me. But uh, but yeah, I, I, I think I think they've done a nice job with it. Now, uh, what the, the real um thing with the real thing to look going forward is how these new stadiums are publicly funded you know percentage to cost from this point forward and how the the bill stadium relates uh from that standpoint i got two real quick ones can you just go back to i want to talk to about von miller again a little bit here um i know that you've been just all over uh his game tape um you know what are some of the things that people don't know when you're watching film on von miller um, that, that he can bring to the, to the bills, you know, some hidden, hidden gems, hidden secrets. Yeah. Well, I mean, two things, he's a really good run defender. Um, and I know that's, that's probably not what people are going to want to like hear about first, but he's, he's really good at containing the edge. And if the running back dares to try to get outside, he's got, uh, long enough arms to keep the offensive tackle off his pads disengages and makes the tackle in the backfield for a loss. So that's one aspect to his game that I really liked. And if the run's going to the opposite side and he's free, then he does a really nice job of closing and, and, and backfilling on, on those plays. As a pass rusher, I was pleasantly surprised by how well he utilizes power. Um, going into it, I had a preconceived notion of Von Miller. I mean, you, you hear it all the time. You're like, oh, this guy, the bend around the edge, the mm-hmm. speed, the explosiveness. Like, that's, that's what Von Miller is when you don't take a, a hard look at him. But how nuanced he is and how instinctive he is and how he recognizes plays, I think, really blends into him being able to project well moving forward. I went in expecting to see a lot of the explosiveness and bend and maybe even an over-dependence upon it, um, but I did not get that at all. He, he used it sporadically to the point where when he did utilize it and did that crazy zero-gravity bend around the edge that... Um, that it caught the offensive tackle off guard. So now I, I think 
utilizing the power the way that he does and being able to strong arm and, and get and keep players off his pads, I think that is the the biggest source of optimism that that I came away with for him projecting into age 34 and 35 seasons. Final thing. I've always been a believer in this. I don't think it's hyperbole. I don't think it's overreaction. And this is a general Buffalo market question. Um, in, in specific sports markets with multiple teams, two, three, four, whatever the case may be, oftentimes you see one team having overwhelming success and the other ones have to kind of catch up. But other clubs and other front offices are affected by it. You know, you can have a really popular team like the Bills, but man, I'm telling you, when the Sabres are in the Stanley Cup Finals, I mean, you know, Joe, how much that town loves its hockey as well. Um, do you think that what the Bills have done has affected the Sabers and their their recent turnaround here with their you know with with that thinking almost like a almost like a Washington Nationals to Capitals feeling right like the Caps win the Cup now the Nats catch up the Red Sox you know catch up a little bit to the Patriots now all those Boston teams are are, are kind of bouncing off each other do you do you believe in that do you subscribe to that and do you believe in that in the city of Buffalo? You know what that's an that's an interesting point I I haven't really considered anything quite like that. Um, just be, probably because it's either A, the Bills have sucked for a long time, or B, the Sabres have sucked for a long time, yeah. and they haven't really messed up all that The much. droughts, um, yeah. You're right. The, the droughts are very real in Buffalo from one franchise to the next. I do wonder if if maybe they saw some of the success in, in popularity uh, of what the Bills did from a roster structure standpoint and how they kind of went about things. You know, sometimes you have to wave goodbye to popular players to pave the way for for things to regenerate for you and uh, sometimes hanging on to the same guy and the same core of, of players just isn't the smart thing to do we saw when the bills first arrived in 2017 they jettisoned a bunch of big names i mean sammy watkins Marcel darius uh stefan gilmore they they let him walk in free agency uh, without getting anything for him so there was a lot of uh there's a lot of big names that that did not continue with the Bills, and much the same with this current Sabers kind of genesis to where out of nowhere they're super likable and like my friends will I don't really watch hockey all that much, but my friends uh, from from home will will text back and forth and be like I'm ready to get hurt again by the Sabers. <laughs> it's like it's like you know, and a lot of this was was brought on by the by the Eichel trade. And allowing uh, guys like Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs and to really grow into this this really likable core, um, and I, I do think that there's a little bit to that. And uh, you know, I don't know. Of course, the Sabers got to handle their stuff with development and everything like that. But I, I think uh, that sort of buzz around the city is contagious if you can if you can capture it. And uh, and I'm sure the, the Sabers will hope the Bills can bring even more buzz this year. Joe Biscali does an unbelievable job covering the Buffalo Bills for The Athletic. Go get him on Twitter, at Joe Biscali, and subscribe to The Athletic today, theathletic.com, for more information. Joe, you're the best. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Thanks so much for having me, Mike. Anytime.
Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.